The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and thank you for joining me today. I have someone uh, that's returning today, um, Margaret Keene. I had her on uh, a little while ago, um, primarily because I think she's an exemplar CEO and also uh, one of the few Fortune 500, you know, that we can name on two hands, uh, CEOs, um, even though her company is is uh, not yet uh, listed as a, uh, as a Fortune 500. 500 company yet, but it has a market capitalization of 27 billion. So it would be equal to about a 250 uh, organization on the on the, the the stock exchange. So uh, saying that, um, this is coming up on one year where Margaret took uh, Synchrony Financial, where she is CEO, uh, to an IPO, and it's the, the one year mark. Uh, just about a, a week ago, I guess. And what's exciting about that is that it was the third largest um, IPO in 2014. So it's definitely not. Uh, it's it's an exciting uh, and definitely not a trivial uh, organization by any means. Um, Margaret also uh, was named um, American Bankers' Top Most Powerful Women in finance for eight consecutive years, which I think is is uh, quite a quite a tribute. She's listed on uh, Irish Americans magazine's Wall Street 50 list, which recognizes the most exciting and innovative Irish American and Irish born leaders in finance. Um, she received her degrees, both B, uh, both BS and MBA. Uh, from St. John's uh, University. She's had 35 years uh, in uh, banking and started out uh, at Citigroup, actually, when she was in college and worked her way up to a pretty significant job at Citigroup and then took a step back and reset her career at GE. And I think it's such a great and interesting story that Margaret has because many women, as we know today, are not paid as, as still are not paid as much as men. We have not smashed the glass ceiling once and for all. Women are not getting all the top positions. And we know that just from looking at the Fortune 500 companies and everything that's been in the press. Yet, Margaret 
started very early on in smaller jobs and was able to work her way up to the very top. So thanks so much, Margaret, for joining me again. And congratulations on your one year of your IPO and and, uh, joining the New York Stock Exchange. It had to be an absolutely thrilling moment for you and for your company, Synchrony Financial. Thank you, Linda. So tell me, why did you uh, reset your career and uh, kind of take a little step down and go to GE? What, what, what do you think, what caused you to do that? You know, Linda, at the time, I was, uh, I was about 36 years old. I had uh, two children, uh, my son and daughter. They were two and five at the time. And I was in a role that um, was a fairly big uh, operational role at City that really was almost a 24-7-day type of role. Um, I, I managed uh, the operations for the New York Bank, which include all the branches and all the operations that, you know, support the branch systems, uh, including facilities, which, you know, anyone who's ever run facilities is not the most glamorous uh, role. But, um, you know, I had worked for someone who really uh, did not like getting involved in really the day-to-day stuff. I was very young. I was, I was in a very big role. And I think um, I was working literally seven days a week. I was getting in at 6 in the morning, leaving at 10 at night. And, you know, it got to a point where I finally realized, is this really what this is all about? And, uh made a decision that I needed to almost reset myself and took a much smaller role at GE. Uh, actually came in during the Six Sigma days at uh, GE under Jack Welch and came into a business that was fairly small inside of GE Capital. And I think it um, a couple of things I learned through that process, and I often tell women that, you know, you're going to work a long time and it's okay to, step down, go down, go up, go lateral, um, and, you know, things will usually work out if you're dedicated and, and going to strive. But I think one thing you have to always make sure is that your family and family life is balanced with your work life. And sometimes that means stepping back a bit. And for me, it was great. I, I was able to almost refresh myself and come into a company and have to reprove myself in a way, which was you know, not always easy, but it, it allowed me to gain a lot of confidence about myself uh, coming into a culture like GE, which is, you know, a lot of people who are homegrown here, and I came mid-career. So for me, it was, uh, I think, a, a great move and, and one I would encourage people to think about as they're faced with various challenges throughout their career. Well, that's, that's, that's very true, and that's, that's excellent advice. However, I would say that, you know, you started at, at, at GE, that's how I got to know you, and you really worked your way up um, very significantly through, let's be honest, uh, you know, Jack Welsh was in the New York Times, uh, they had a picture of him and his, his board of all men, and uh, so you, you really worked your way up through GE, which is not an easy company on a lot of levels. So how did, how did you leverage all of that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think, I think one thing that I love about um, the culture at GE is it's a, it's a very fair culture. And I do think um, I've never, ever felt here because I was a woman I was ever going to be held back. I, I always felt if you delivered at GE, 
you'd, you'd get recognized. And, you know, I'd say the other really important thing that helped me in my career was really two things here at GE. One is I had incredible sponsorship. Uh, I had leaders who, one, took me under their wing, helped me grow inside the company, learn the company. They were very, very supportive of me and uh, really helped me a lot. The second you know, GE, when I came, had really just started to kick off its GE Women's Network. And I think one of the right. greatest things about GE is the number of women who are in very senior roles. So I really had, for me, a number of role models around me uh, that let me feel very comfortable that I could make it to the top here. And in many cases, those women were big supporters of me, and, and many of them are now my personal friends. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. I mean, I, I've worked in a lot of other companies before and since GE, and I have really never seen the deep focus on women and the really the great strides that company has made in, in having women in very significant roles. And here you are now, uh, CEO of Synchrony Financial, uh, with 300,000 outlets, uh, partner outlets around the U.S. and Canada, um, you know, an online direct-to-consumer bank um, celebrated on the New York Stock Exchange and uh, $27 billion in market cap. I mean, that's, that's pretty significant. you got to feel really good about that. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely do. So one of the reasons I uh, wanted to bring you back, Margaret, is uh, when I was most recently in your offices, I saw your innovation labs and so many companies today, everybody's trying to innovate. Everybody's trying to innovate faster than the next one. And I was really intrigued by that. And then I saw your, you know, your, your, the word agile, which many people, you and I talked about it, you know, are using it to describe organizations. It's the new buzzword, but it's really a process. And so what made you focus in on um, really putting agile innovation in, in finance and an online banking situation? Yeah, so I think, <clears throat> I think one of the things that as we were um, in the financial crisis, right, um, this really started almost coming out of the financial crisis, but back in the financial crisis, we made a very dedicated effort to know that mobile was going to be a big, an online continues to be a big opportunity. So we continued to invest there. And I think as we were we were thinking about um, the IPO and the separation and us becoming a standalone company, one of the things that I knew was going to be very important is that we were viewed as an innovative company. And in the space that we're in, which is, you know, the payment space, there's more innovation going on here than probably many other parts of financial services. So I made the decision to create the Innovation Lab, which was really uh, a result of some visits out to the Valley and seeing how people worked out there, particularly at Stanford Business School and the Engineering School. And so we created this lab, which is um, fully funded, cross-functional team. You know, we implemented Agile. And I think, to your point, Agile is a process. And the team, before we kind of laid out the lab, actually did a lot of best practice sharing with other companies that were using Agile. Actually, GE was using it as well in the healthcare business. And we actually spent some time with them because it is a process, and you need to get the whole organization engaged on how Agile is going to work. And basically what we've been able to do is we work on solving consumer or partner problems um, using technology. And the goal really is for our 
teams to come in in, a mo- in the morning, work on solving that particular problem. And we try to keep these in small increments so you can implement them fairly quickly and create a process in which by the end of the day we have a prototype of what it is we want to roll out. So it's really been great. I think the other thing we did is we have given that team a budget and we're not getting into, you know, analyzing every single project they're working on. We've said, you know, go and build it, if you will. Let's focus on mobile and online. Let's improve our platforms. And that's really allowed the team to focus on, uh, the key things that they think we need to continue to build out. And it's just been a really exciting uh, and very successful uh, venture for us. We had one innovation station here in our Stanford headquarters. We now have two additional innovation stations that we've uh, built out, one in our Kettering office that is really focused more on our B2B tools, if you will, our business-to-business tools, and we have another one that we just kicked off in Chicago that's going to be built around data. So really taking that agile te- you know, process and thinking and putting it in place in other parts of the organization. Yeah, what's, what's, you know, what's really exciting about this is that you made the connection between, you know, your company in many ways is really, it runs on technology, especially an online banking organization. You know, you've got to have the latest and the greatest, and you've got to have that technological thinking in your organization. So benchmarking with Silicon Valley and going to Stanford, I, I think it was a, a really brilliant and great place to start. So tell me, Margaret, how, do you, how have you linked with your customers around this? Yeah, there's, there's two ways we've been doing that. One is actually linking with our partners themselves, so taking maybe a particular area that our partners are looking for in terms of solutions that they want to give their customers either mobile or online. We actually bring our partners into our lab. We work with them to really uh, have that cross-functional team. So the cross-functional team is not only made up of IT and technical people. It could be our risk team is in there, our compliance team is in there, you know, our front-end organization is in there working with a partner to solve a particular uh, opportunity or challenge. So that we do a lot with the partners. We do a lot with actually end consumers, and probably uh, the area where we've done a lot there is actually on our online banking platform, our mobile platform in particular, where we actually went into consumers' homes and actually watched how they use the technology. And, you know, it sounds simple, but, you know, making sure the font size was big enough or making sure the button is in the right place, we were able to really work with, Consumers are actually using the product to make a better design, and that platform was. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Brilliant. We're at break. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back with Margaret King, CEO of Synchrony Financial, Um, offers credit programs through their partners in over 300,000 locations across the United States and Canada. We'll be talking with Margaret King when we come back. We're going to dig even deeper into culture how you really drive innovation in an organization and roles that leaders and her leadership team plays to make sure that they're an innovative company. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? 
How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial, an online uh, direct-to-consumer bank. And I might add, they have uh, high-yield uh, IRAs and CDs. Um, not many banks these days have that. Um, so it's a good place to to check if you're interested in those kind of project products. They just celebrated one year on the New York Stock Exchange, and it was the third largest IPO in 2014. Pretty significant in my mind. Margaret has done some fascinating things, creating innovation labs and used cross-functional teams, including customers, to really develop very uh, simple sometimes tools and techniques to really help the customer. And um, I, I love the fact that she was talking about having teams actually go to the consumer's homes and look at how they use uh, use the technology, use the applications. It's really great. So, Margaret, it just strikes me, you know, a lot of companies do this, you know, think that they have innovation and set up innovation teams and they're kind of separate and apart. Um, it's sounding to me like this is really part of the fabric of your organization. Can you tell me how you built that into your your you know sort of the DNA? Yeah, sure. So I, I think I think we've always had a, a, a version of serving our partners. So that thought of innovating has always been part of the fabric. I think what's really changed is just the pace of technological advancements now, where you know the move on technology is is just so profound. And so when we were talking about how do we create a, a culture of innovation, I think the most important thing is this isn't just about setting a budget and designing a lab, right? Anybody could do that. I could give someone the money to go build things. This really is about how do you engage the whole organization in innovation and how do you make sure that the leadership from the top down is really engaging and being involved in that discussion. So for us, my senior leadership team, we meet once a month, and we have the folks from our innovation stations come in and talk about what they're working on, what new technology is out there, are there things we should be looking at from a technology perspective in terms of possibly investing in or or buying. 
because we think that's going to be key as we move forward. And then, you know, I'd also say that I spend, uh, I, you know, I go down there and just spend, you know, a couple hours with the team down there having them talk about, you know, what they're working on. And, you know, I think the biggest challenge on innovation is really breaking down barriers inside the organization for people to really get results. And I think yeah. once you get a couple of wins, it really becomes pretty easy. Uh, then it becomes part of the fabric and you're constantly, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I think one of the really um, side benefits of what we've created and in, in how we're building innovation here is the way we've been able to attract talent. Uh, so, for instance, we just kicked off our uh, first business leadership program where we recruited off university campuses. And a big part of our selling point to uh, the, the millennials that we're hiring is the fact that we're a company that looks to innovate and actually showing them and demonstrating what we've done out of the innovation station has been a, a key to really attracting some pretty key talent coming into the organization. That's great. I mean, it is it, everybody that you talk to who are coming in from schools, um, by the way, 85% of the workforce in 2017 is are going to be millennials, are really looking for those places where they can innovate. And what they really mean by that is being in an organization that doesn't say, oh, well, we, we've done that before. or Yeah, it's a good idea, but it's really not going to work. And there are a lot of corporations and cultures that are like that and, uh, you know, make people um, learn, go through the hoops and learn the get, gain their stripes before they'll even listen to them. And, and, and having that ability to hit the ground running on some innovation projects is, I think, a real plus for your organization. So how would you describe, I mean, what you're talking about, Margaret, is kind of a, a culture that you've created there. And, and I know you have really a great set of values, but how would you describe the culture of Synchrony? Well, you know, I think, I think one of the, the basic fabrics of the culture is that we truly believe that good ideas come from anywhere in the organization. And, you know, we have the innovation station, which is, you know, a cross-functional team made up of predominantly millennials. Uh, um, but we also have other things inside the, the business. We have something called a site experience council where each of our sites, where our call center folks uh, really drive this. Um, council every single month and come up with things we could be doing better to serve our partners, and then we prioritize, prioritize those those types of things and then work on them to make things better for our customers. You know, I think the other thing we have is we have, um, you know, we've kicked off a lot around diversity and inclusion, so it's, it's a very collaborative and inclusive uh, company, I think, that people feel you know, for lack of a better word, safe to come up and raise things or think about better ways to do things. And I think that then feeds on itself and becomes part of the energy and the fabric of, of how we work every day. So, you know, I'm a big believer. Everyone, you know, can come to work for a paycheck, but if people aren't feeling like they're valued in the company and have respect and that people understand the role they play no matter who you are in the organization, um, you know, if you're able to make those connections and connect those dots for people, you just get an overall better result inside the company in terms of people feeling good about what we do. Yeah, and people feeling really connected to the purpose that you have, which is such a nice uh, purpose statement. Um, you, you're talking about millennials. What prompted your interest in millennials, and, and how does that drive your focus? <laughs> <laughs> 
aside from the fact that it's going to be a substantial portion of the upcoming yeah, I mean, workforce. Uh, but you know, millennials have now surpassed baby boomers in terms of uh, the number. There's 80 million millennials uh, coming into uh, the workforce, and over the next, you know, they've already started, but, you know, the, the wave is coming. And, I, you know, I think it struck me in two ways. One is I ha- have and have two millennials. Uh, my son and daughter are both millennials, and I'm always intrigued by how they think about things. Um, so I think I have that. Um, you know, both of them are very, you know, technologically astute and really, um, you know, on top of their game in terms of how they use technology. So I think that uh, struck me. The thing that most struck me, actually, was when I went out to uh, Stanford University and I was in the School of Engineering, and I was looking at, they have this, this, this floor where it's pretty all open space, open type of environments for people to, to work. And it really struck me when I talked uh, to some of the folks out there that, you know, millennials tend to do things in groups. And they're really, really good at selecting who's the best at something and letting them going to run when they're working in groups. They've grown up working in groups. And it really struck me when, when we were bringing people in from our programs, we were hiring them, we were training them, but then we were sticking them in a cubicle by themselves. And that's not really how they work. Interesting. And I, I think it, it kind of, I came back and I thought a lot about it. And I was like, the other thing is they're incredible multitaskers. You know, they can do five things at one time. And um, I actually went out to some other companies. I went to a company called Splunk. Uh, I watched how the environment was and how the teams were working together. And I I just think when you create that kind of environment, you get the best ideas to come forward and solutions. And they can come from anywhere, which I think is one of the unique things about this generation. Um, and I think the other thing about this generation, they want to feel very valued in a company. They want to feel like they're contributing. So I think, <clears throat> I think we have to we have to think about a much different, flatter organization than the hierarchical organizations. I think baby boomers grew up in, right? We we you know that was the boss and the boss's boss's boss. They don't even think that way. They don't think hierarchically. So you know, I'm just excited about the potential of millennials. I think. You know, I know a lot of people have there's sometimes bad articles. I actually think there's a tremendous amount of potential uh, to really change uh, the way we work, how we lead, how we think about diversity. I think it's a, a group of people who are just so open-minded to diversity. They don't even think the way baby boomers think. So I'm really excited about them joining our workforce. And for me, it's about how do we attract the best? And how do we retain the best? And how do we keep them engaged when they're here in the company? Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. And and uh, you know, the Price Waterhouse Coopers, who sponsored this show a while back, uh, did a, a study on millennials and uh, baby boomers. And actually, they surveyed something like 120,000 uh, folks, and they found that there was not that much significant difference between what baby boomers wanted from the workplace and what millennials wanted. However, millennials are much less willing to suffer through things right. um, to get what they want. Yeah, uh, so they will leave. <laughs> you know, where we, we kind of said, oh, well, you know, we'll earn our stripes. Well, you know, this, this too shall pass. <laughs> Maybe we'll get the next promotion or whatever it is. It didn't mean we liked it any more than the millennials did, but we just put up with it more. So it, it's fascinating, and I love the multitask and, and um you know, and they're just better at, at, at technology and and, 
and the whole inclusive thing. I mean, they don't see because they grew up uh, in a much more inclusive world than you and I did, actually. So um, how do you, besides the innovation stations, how else are you driving a culture of innovation? And, and, and you, you know, you talked about, um, you know, having the regular meetings with people and, you know, et cetera. But what are, what are some other hallmarks of your innovative culture? Well, I think even how we created our values was, you know, we, we, we looked at um, what other companies had done. We looked at how we thought about our values and just engaging the whole organization to come up with the values that we decided upon. You know, even in the, in the purpose statement, um, you know, one of the things we felt really had to be in the purpose statement was something about creating the future of financing because we wanted to kind of set the stage for all of us uh, that we were innovative, and you know, one of the words that I like a lot in our in our values is the word bold. Um, and we have a tagline on the bold yeah. that says, "It's time to make a difference." So, I think when you when you set your purpose statement to be forward thinking, you have very some very traditional values, but then you have values that really get you to think outside your comfort zone. I think it helps to drive the culture of innovation you know, across uh, the system. You know, I think the other, the other thing is we don't think of innovation as just technology. I think one area that we feel uh, is going to be a big opportunity for us is just data and analytics. Obviously, you know, we uh, financed over $100 billion in sales last year. That's a lot of transactions. And, you know, we have a lot it of information is. on how people shop and how, how they're shopping, whether it's, you know, online you know, in-store uh, through their mobile phone. And so really thinking through how we can innovate around technology with the connection of data I think is very important for us as we try to grow. Because, you know, our fundamental job for our partners is to grow their sales. That's what that is, in the most simplest way is how do we attract yeah. more customers for our partners and how do we get the folks who come in their stores or their clubs to shop or online to spend more. And so helping our yeah. partners uh, leverage the data that we have and they have is just continues to be an even more critical uh, aspect of our business as we move forward. We're at break. Thank you, Margaret. Stay with us. We're talking to Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial, uh, one of the largest uh, private label credit card companies and uh, online banking company in uh, the U.S. and Canada. Stay with us. We'll be back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Linda Sharkey, the host, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial, whose credit programs are offered through their partners over three, in over 300,000 lo- locations across the United States and Canada. And uh, we were just talking about, you know, Margaret's view on, you know, what their company is all about and really their purpose, which is to grow the sales of their partners. And, uh, you know, it's really not, um, many companies will say it's to grow their bottom line, grow their top line. Um, but Margaret's head is really around how do we help our partners? And by helping them grow, you know, Synchrony Financial grows along with them. And it's a, that's a subtle, but it's a big mind shift change. Not all leaders think that way. So, we're talking about the things that Margaret has done in her company to create a culture of innovation. And I'd like to ask you, Margaret, what insights would you share with others who want to be more, a more innovative company? What, what advice would you give them? Yeah, you know, I think, I think the first is it, it has to start at the top. And I think innovation has to be connected to the strategy that you're trying to drive for your company. And you need to make sure that whatever you're building – you can commercialize because I think that's another thing. It's, you could build a lot of fun things, but if if the consumer is not going to use it or the partner is not going to use it or it's not helpful to solving some problem, then it's just going to be a great piece of innovation that nobody wants. So I think connecting your innovation plan to the strategy of the business I think is fundamental. And then ensuring that the things that you're working on are really connected to the customer, whether that's, in our case, a retailer or one of our business partners, or the end consumer. So I think that that's like fundamental. I think the other thing that's fundamental is you have to fund it. It can't be this little thing sitting in a corner that every time they want to do something, they, they, they need to come up and ask for approval and the budget's really held tight. You need to, you need to give a, a room for people to innovate and have the budget set so that they can pick and choose how they want to do that and you're not, you know, overwhelming people with some kind of bureaucracy. And then I think it's really about listening to your, your customers and your clients about what are the things they're really looking for. And I think, interestingly enough, in the space that we're in where we're dealing with, you know, we could be dealing with the biggest retailer who, in many cases, they have, you know, a mobile team, an online team, down to uh, an individual proprietor who might be a furniture store on the corner, you know, one of the exciting things we're able to do is really figure out how to solve uh, problems for that spectrum of retail or customers. So I think, you know, we have the big scale aspect of our business, but we have the very little individual proprietor who, you know, that probably doesn't have a mobile team. <laughs> but that's where we can bring our toolkit, if you will, to really help those partners compete in an environment that, you know, is getting difficult, more difficult for individual proprietors. So, you know, it's very exciting for us to be able to 
bring capabilities and help, you know, the, the average Main Street uh, retailer, if you will, uh, have the tools that they might not be able to have if they were trying to do it on their own. So that's, that's I think, really important. Um, and then the other thing I think that's really critical, you can't, you can't walk into this and not make sure that you have this as a priority and that you're, you have to ensure that you're going to resource it so that you have the right talent in there, the right number of resources, um, the right level of engagement of the whole cross-functional team. So it can't just be me, the CEO, driving it. It really needs to be driven in every single function of our business, and we all have to buy into that and make sure that we're taking down barriers and helping that team actually be successful in how they innovate. Yeah, that's this leads me to a question for you. What do you love most about your job? <laughs> you know, my favorite, I have two favorite parts of my job. One is I, 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 love, I love it when I see that we've done something that is actually having an impact for our partners and actually helping them to succeed. That's like my favorite thing, to look at something that we've built or done and, and we see the consumer using it and they're going in and they're shopping more and our partners are really feeling it. So to me, that's like extraordinarily exciting. And then the second thing I love about my job, I really do love developing people. And I love, um, I love spending time with people deeper in the organization and, you know, almost handpicking folks and saying, you know, that person has lots of potential. What are we doing to develop that person? And I love it when I've been able to do that over my career and I see that person su- succeed and move up. I think, you know, that's a very fulfilling um, experience for a leader, I think, to see, you know, nuggets of talent that you can really invest in and grow and really uh, feel really good about their success. Yeah, that's that's exciting. And, and you know, the, the research has said that the really great leaders of the world, whether they're leading a big company or just influencing others, are people that focus on developing others. That's That's really the the hallmark of what sets somebody apart. They, they uh, are about others, not about themselves. You know, it strikes me also, Margaret, you, you know, you have a huge job. Um, you have children that are now in the, in, the, in the workforce. You have a family, a husband. Uh, how have you been able to manage work-life balance? What's your view around that? Yeah, I think, this, you know, I think it's hard to, to say that you, you, you have – work-life balance is perfect. I think it's hard to, to do that, particularly as you move up the ranks. It just gets harder. But I think, I think what you have to do is you have to be very conscious about what you're willing and not willing to do. And then I think once you get comfortable with that, um, you can manage your career. Uh, you know, I said to you earlier that, you know, I took a step aside or down, if you will, to kind of recalibrate myself while that was a long time ago. I think there's different situations in your life that hit you. You know, I, I happen to have my mom living with me who's elderly. You know, she had a little bout with not being well. I had to, you know, take care of that. So you're always going to have something in your life that pulls on you um, that kind of gets you distracted. And I think you have to really, at every level of your career, be willing to say, what am I going to be able to do and what am I just going to put off? And I think if you have that mindset, 
you're not going to be frustrated, um, and you're going to be able to be successful. The other thing I would say, um, and I do think this is a little bit a woman issue, you know, I, I think men have a lot easier time just walking out of the office and saying, I'm going to a baseball game for their kid. I think women go through this whole guilt thing in their head. Um, and I think... I agree. The more... I, I role model that. I've always role modeled that. I've always been very explicit, uh, and I've been open, and I talk about, you know, certain things. You know, for instance, when my, my kids were in high school, one of, the, one of the decisions I made is I'm going to drive to high school in the morning, which meant I didn't get in at 7 o'clock in the morning. But, you know, I felt I needed that, you know, 20-minute car ride to just ensure I was connected to the kids. And so I think you have to be willing to – and then – you know, whether that, that for a period of time holds you back, I, you know, I don't, it didn't hold me back. But I, I, do think, I do think you have to be comfortable in your skin and you have to, you have to feel like you're, you're, you're doing what you need to do for yourself personally, but that you're also, you know, 100% in, 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 your, in your job. And I, I think it can be done. I think the positive now, there's so much technology and things. Uh, I think the work environment is, much more open to that. You know, I think about when I first started out working and I had my children, you know, you barely mentioned you had children. Uh, now, you know, it's right. a very accepted thing, and thank God. And, you know, you can really work work around that. And I think, I think as individuals, you know, you want to work in a company that respects that and understands it and, you know, own, and, and understands the challenges people face. Yeah. You know, though, we're still seeing, though, Margaret, um, unfortunately, and, and you, you talked about, uh, you know, what is the design of the new organizations going forward? And what are the things we're going to have to rethink and change? Performance management, I believe, is one of them. But, you know, there's still bias out there, as we know, uh, just from the research that's been going on about, you know, a woman decides to work from home two days yeah. a week or whatever it is. And with all the technology, there's no reason why you can't do it. But, Somehow or another, deep inside, people negate that. So how do you get around that bias? Yeah, I think you have to work at it every day. I, I think I, I agree with you. I think there's, there's bias in general. Um, I do think that'll shift as you have more millennials come into leadership positions. I do think that's a baby boomer, probably hangover um, yeah. a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I think you really have to measure people on their results and not the number of hours they're sitting at a desk. And I think if you have job scope correctly and people are delivering their results, I could care less where they're doing it from. Uh, I think if you're leading people, probably a little harder to work from home because you need to be where the people are. I think I'm, I, I think that's, you know, you can't totally disconnect yourself from the company. So I think it's, it's a balance, right? And I think as long as people are achieving that balance and delivering on the results, everyone should feel comfortable. But I, I agree, Linda. I think there is still bias out there, and I think it's just something, you know, hopefully leaders inside my company are, you know, sensitive to those biases and, and trying to, to shift and change. And, you know, I believe most of them are, but, you know, of course, you got to look at this every single day. Yeah, and, you know, people are not always honest about their bias, and, you know, simply because sometimes they really don't know what's what's driving it underneath. But I do have to say, Margaret, that you are unique in that regard because, uh, you know, obviously there's been white papers and research done today that says um, 
uh, you know, people are still operating on, on many of those biases. And you know that there was um, something that came out recently about um, men not listening to women in meetings. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that many times. And uh, I'm sure that many other people have experienced it. And that's still going on. So I think your point about millennials coming in, that hopefully it will change. But I wanted to ask you, what, given all of that, you mentioned that leadership is going to have to change. And so what are you seeing as things that leaders are going to have to do differently going forward that's going to, that may be a, a, a stretch for them? Well, you know, I think one is, um, and if you just think of millennials, they're, they're fairly outspoken. So you need to you need to be comfortable that you know someone who maybe just came out of school and is willing to share a concept or an idea. You gotta you gotta listen. Um, I think I think as we get more women and diversity in leadership roles, some of this bias will go away. And I think you have to be very deliberate about it as a leader to ensure you have the right mix of people leading the organization. Um, you know, I think diversity is not just about, you know, diverse gender or color or whatever. It's also diversity of ideas and kind of backgrounds and where you came from. And, you know, I think that makes a, a company a more robust company. Uh, so I think you have to you have to pay attention to that. I, you know, sometimes I think um, coming... Coming from uh, GE, you know, one of the things that was always very highly valued here is just being a very good communicator, which is, I think, uh, an important element. But I think you have to know sometimes you have people who are just quiet. And, you know, being a leader who looks around the room and makes sure everyone is participating in the conversation. And if they're, they're not, be deliberate and say, do you have, you know, the quiet person in the corner there, do you have something you want to say? And yeah. You know, try to bring people out of their shell, if you will, a little bit, and get them more comfortable. And but you want to make sure you're 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 bringing everyone to the to the party, if you will. And I think as leaders, you got to really you got to pay attention to those subtle things. Yeah, that's what we call in in, in our research perceptive responsiveness. You really got to understand whether people are tapped in or not tapped in, and and, and be intuitive about that and draw them in. We are at break. Uh, stay with us. Margaret, we have a question that's come in from the field. It's from a millennial from um, San Francisco area. So uh, stay with us. We have a great question, and then we're going to be talking again with Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial, um, one year on the New York Stock Exchange. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of ILEAD, the Leadership Connection, and I have with me today Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial. And if you've been listening to the conversation, which I hope you have, you will see that Margaret is truly a unique leader, and she is a leader who has demonstrated um, exemplar leadership characteristics throughout her career, and I have personally experienced that and seen that. And it's so interesting that she has focused in on what great leadership thinkers will say are the things that leaders need to do uh, in the future, which is create that inclusive environment, be perceptive to other people, draw people out, be less about themselves, more about others, developing people, all of those things which have proven to drive great companies. And she certainly is leading a great one. Uh, $27 in market cap is not a trivial organization. So, Margaret, we had a... uh, a question get emailed in from the field and it's from Sandra from San Francisco. She's out in Silicon Valley. She works in one of the startups. And what she really wanted to know is what advice do you have for millennial women in particular? And you know, and she prefaces uh, that lawsuit that went on with Kleiner Perkins. I I believe the woman is Poe who sued Kleiner Perkins and now is the CEO of Reddit. Um, You know, how do I get past and, and move forward in my career? So I think the first thing I'd say is that, you know, the good news for millennial women is the path has been opened for them. And I, I do think that, you know, if you went back to, you know, Linda, you and I starting out in our career, it certainly was, was more, more challenging. I think there's just yes. a lot more openness now for diversity in the workforce. And, you know, I, I would say that's the really good news. I think the second is, you know, one of my observations, and I'm, always surprised by that, that this does still happen out there, is this um, women second-guessing and holding back. And so, you know, I, I would say that, you know, we can't hold back and second-guess ourselves, that if we have confidence and come across with confidence um, in the roles that we're trying to pursue, um, I'd say go for it. I think there's a lot of times where women do not post for a role or go for the bigger job because they think they're not qualified. Um, I will just tell you in all my discussions of career, I've never had a man tell me he wasn't qualified for a job ever. Uh, yet I've had women question whether they should go for the role because they weren't sure they had every skill that was needed, even though people were encouraging them to post for the role or go for the role. So, you know, I think you, you, we really have to have women, and diversity in general, by the way, be confident enough to go for it and stop get second-guessing whether they are capable. I mean, obviously, you have to have the skill sets, to, the basic skill sets. But I, I still think there's a lot of second-guessing going on on whether they can go for the big role. You know, I, I, I think about my career, and one thing I, I use as an example, it's a simple example. You know, I was moving up, moving up, and 
you know, I'd always take the seat in the back row. And I think getting at the table sooner probably could have helped me. Now, it's a subtle thing, but I think yeah. it, it shows the it shows a confidence thing. And I think the good news is I, I do get a sense that this next generation coming up are more confident and are willing. And I would just say, you know, get your seat at the table as early as possible. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. And, you know, I, I think of myself, I used to sit in the back of the room as well, so I could, you know, sneak out unnoticed or whatever. So great advice, Margaret. Thank you so much for being with me today. Um, Really great discussion. Um, Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial, uh, online consumer credit uh, card company, um, high-yield IRAs. I'm going to get some myself. Um, First year on the New York Stock Exchange. Really great to have you, Margaret, and really great to hear about what a wonderful career you've had. And I do believe in my heart that the reason you have had such a wonderful career is because you are all about the people. So thanks for being with me. Thank you very much for having me, Linda. Thank you. Um, Our next shows, actually, Margaret touched on this, are going to be focused on the workplace of the future. And my contention is that many of the practices that we have in workplaces today were developed as a result of the industrial era. And we no longer are in an industrial era. For example, performance management. You know, if you've listened to my show, you know that this is a um, a sore spot with me because performance management systems just simply don't work. And there'll be people that will tell you, oh, the research says they do. But the fact of the matter is that the brain is counter the, the performance management systems are counterintuitive to how the brain works. Margaret made the comment that kids today, young people today, they work in teams. They've been learning to do that for years. So how do we design organizations in a way that maximizes people's contribution, the ability for them to connect with each other? How do we leverage technology instead of being afraid of it? Let's face it today. Everybody comes to the workplace with all their own devices And if you think you're going to put in place human resource policies to manage everybody's personal devices, you're crazy because people are going to be doing what they're going to do anyway. They've learned how to live that way. So how are we going to be changing the way we work? And I think it's a, it's, it's, not so much the workplace of the future, but changing the thinking we have, changing the way we lead, really looking at our bias and really saying, are some of the things that we've done in the past really just legacy or are they essential to being able to give great customer service and really focusing on helping your customer grow as margaret said in 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 our discussion so i'll be bringing in panels of people who are human resource thinkers organization development leaders people who have done significant research around what the workplace of the future needs to look like and what leaders are going to need to do in order to be successful. People are going to be getting into leadership roles a whole lot sooner and uh, in their careers than has been in the past. Um, And how are we preparing people to really lead and to really tap the human potential of the people that they're leading? So I'm excited about this next segment. We're going to be having some top thinkers, as I said before, And it's going to be an opportunity for you to hear from 
really people who have designed organizations for the future and who have shown significant success as a result and done some very unique things. And by unique things, I mean, you know, that they've created organizations that don't look at all like our traditional bricks and mortar organizations. Some places you have your own workstation and you just bring it wherever you're going to be, either with the customer or uh, a work location for the company somewhere. So we really do have to break down our barriers. We have to break down our biases. We have to look at the practices and policies that we've put in place, particularly from human resources, which tend to be the police factor in many organizations, and say, are these valuable? Are they adding value? Are they making a difference? Or is it just a policy that we've followed forever and it could be dumped? I know one organization that just stopped working according to some of the policies just to see which ones people really used and which ones really meant something to the workforce. And it was a very interesting uh, study. So stay with us. We're coming up with a great series of the rest of August and early September, um, and it will be more of a panel discussion format. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for my guest, Margaret Keene, and the other CEOs who have joined uh, the discussion. And I look forward to having you with us next Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, 2 o'clock Pacific Time. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Oh,